This is Trifecta Now, episode 26, chapter 26, The Transition. Welcome back. My email is trifectanow3 at gmail.com. So I am actually recording this and going to upload it on the same day. I have been crazy busy with um, last minute assignment marking and the duties of a teacher before I term ends. So forgive me um, that this has been uploaded late, but it actually was just recorded today. So this is called the tr- transition. The transition is a shift or change to seeing the world differently, but everyone the same. The world we live in strives for individuality and differences. It even applauds it. We will give things up and sacrifice oneness in the name of separateness. This is a shift in the wrong direction. The more we seek to be different, the less we are the same. Our souls know no differences only oneness. Imagine a world that accepted everyone and everything for what it was, period. We looked for our oneness and celebrated our eternal life. Oh, what a beautiful world it would be. On page 552 is the sacrifice of oneness. I wrote the sacrifice of oneness is done in the name of compromise. We think giving something up to come to a mutually agreeable term is a sense of progress. It only sacrifices our oneness. It continues to force us to see the bodies of our brothers and sisters and not their spirits. If we look for bodies, we will be invisible to one another. So on a page, oh, I have to open it to this, as I said. Paragraph one on page 542 I started at sentence five. The body is itself a sacrifice, a giving up of power in the name of saving just a little for yourself. To see a brother in another body separate from yours is the expression of a wish to see a little part of him and sacrifice the rest. Paragraph two says the world you see is based on sacrifice of oneness. It is a picture of complete disunity and a total lack of joining. Sentence four in that same paragraph says, each part must sacrifice the other part to keep itself complete. For if they joined, each one would lose its own identity, and by their separation are their selves maintained. Paragraph three, sentence three says, in this perception of yourself, of the body's loss, would be a sacrifice indeed. For sight of bodies becomes the sign that sacrifice is limited, and something still remains for you alone. And for this little to belong to you are limits placed on everything outside, just as they are on everything you think is yours. Paragraph four at the bottom says the body is a loss and can be made to sacrifice. <clears throat> on the next page, page 554, sorry, 543, sentence seven at the top says, what witness to the wholeness of God's son is seen within a world of separate bodies? However much he witnesses to truth. He is invisible in such a world, nor can his song of union and of love be heard at all. Yet is it given him to make the world recede before a song and the sight of him replace the body's eyes. Paragraph six says, you can lose sight of oneness, but cannot make sacrifice of its reality. Nor can you lose what you would sacrifice, nor keep the Holy Spirit from his task of showing you that it has not been lost. 
Hear then the song your brother sings to you, and let the world recede, and take the rest his witness offers on behalf of peace. Paragraph 7 says, Yet every instant can you be reborn and given life again. His holiness gives life to you, who cannot die because his sinlessness is known to God, and can no more be sacrificed by you than can the light in you be blotted out because he sees it not. Paragraph, oh, sorry, sentence four at the bottom on paragraph seven says, In heaven, God's Son is not imprisoned in a body, nor is sacrificed in solitude to sin. And as he is in heaven, so must he be eternally and everywhere. He is the same forever, born again each instant, untouched by time, and far beyond the reach of any sacrifice of life or death. On the next page, which is page 544 paragraph 8 sentence 4 says it is not sorry it is your special function to ensure the door be opened that he may come forth and shine on you and give you back the gift of freedom by receiving it of you the next section on page 544 is many forms but one correction i wrote the one form of correction we need to understand and accept is that there is no loss. To think otherwise is a mistake and the only correction we truly need to make. Think about how great you will feel when you are willing to correct all your problems, when you release them and choose no loss. You will receive no pain and sorrow and the peace you seek will be yours once again. Paragraph 1 says, It is not difficult to understand the reasons why you do not ask the Holy Spirit to solve all problems for you. He has not greater difficulty in resolving some than others. Every problem is the same to him, because each one is solved in just the same respect and through the same approach. The aspects that need solving do not change, whatever form and problem seems to, it seems to take. A problem can appear in many forms and will do so while the problem lasts. It serves no purpose to attempt to solve it in a special form. It will reoccur and then reoccur again and yet again until it has been answered for all time and will not rise again in any form. And only then are you released from it. Paragraph 2 says the Holy Spirit offers you release from every problem that you, that you think you have. They are the same to him because each one, regardless of the form it seems to take, is a demand that someone suffers loss and makes a sacrifice that you might gain. And when the situation is worked out so no one loses, is the problem gone? Because it is an error in perception that now has been corrected. One mistake is not more difficult for him to bring to truth than is another. For there is but one mistake, and the whole idea that loss is possible and could result in gain for anyone. If this were true, then God would be unfair, sin would be possible, attack be justified, and vengeance fair. On the next page, paragraph 4, the miracle of justice can correct all error, errors. Every problem is an error. It does injustice to the Son of God and therefore is not true. The Holy Spirit does not evaluate injustices as great or small or more or less. They have no properties to him. Sentence 8 says, he does not pause to judge whether the hurt be large or little. He makes but one judgment that to hurt God's son must be unfair and therefore not so. Paragraph 5, sentence 7 says, Each time you keep a problem to yourself, for yourself to solve or judge 
that it is one that has no resolution, you have made it great and passed the hope of healing. You deny the miracle of just can be fair. Paragraph six, sentence five says, consider once again your special function. One is given you to see in him his perfect sinlessness, and you will ask no sacrifice of him because you could not will he suffer loss. The miracle of justice you call forth will rest on you as surely as on him. Paragraph seven at the bottom says, think then how great your own release will be when you are willing to receive correction for all your problems. You will not keep one for pain in any form you will not want. Well, on the next page, which is 546, the top of the page, sentence five says, what seems once to be a special problem, a mistake without a remedy or an affliction without a cure has been transformed into a universal blessing. The next part on page 546 is the borderland. I wrote the borderland. Where is what is everything leaves room for nothing else? If our oneness is everything we could ever want or need, then of course we wouldn't need room for anything else. The borderland is where place and time and choice still have meaning, and yet it is seen that they are temporary and out of place. And every choice has already been made. Choice is not an option in this world, but it is the but it but it the real one. But in the real one, it is simplified. Paragraph one says complexity is not of God. How could it be when all he knows is one? He knows of one creation, one reality, one truth, and but one Son. Nothing conflicts with oneness. How then could there be complexity in him? Paragraph, sorry, sentence 10 in that same paragraph says, The truth makes no decision, for there is nothing to decide between. And only if there could, and only if there were, could choosing be a necessary step in the advance towards oneness. What is everything leaves room for nothing else. Yet is this magnitude beyond the scope of this curriculum? nor is it necessary we dwell on anything that cannot be immediately grasped. Paragraph 2 says the there is a borderland of thought that stands between this world and heaven. It's not a place, and when you reach it, it is apart from time. Here is the meeting place where thoughts are brought together, where conflicting values meet and all illusions are laid down beside the truth, where they are judged to be untrue. This borderland is just beyond the gate of heaven. Here, every thought made pure and wholly simple. Here is sin denied and everything that is received is received instead. Paragraph three says, this is the journey's end. We have referred to it as the real world. And yet there is a contradiction here in that the words imply a limited reality, a partial truth and a segment of the universe made true. Paragraph four says, nothing the son of God believes can be destroyed, but what is truth to him must be brought to the last comparison that he will ever make. The last evaluation that will be possible, the final judgment upon this world. It is the judgment of the truth upon illusion, of knowledge on perception. It has no meaning and does not exist. This is not your decision. It is but a simple statement of a simple fact. Paragraph 5, sentence 4 says, This difference is the learning goal this course has set. It will not go beyond this aim. Its only purpose is to teach what is the same and what is different, leaving room to make the only choice that can be made. 
Paragraph 6 says there is no basis for a choice in this complex and overcomplicated world. For no one understands what is the same and seems to choose where no choice really is. The real world is the area of choice made real, not in the outcome, but in the perception of alternatives for choice. That there is choice is an illusion, yet within this one lies the undoing of every illusion, not accepting this. On the next page, which is 548, where sin has left, I wrote, Forgiveness has once again stated its case. Forgiveness is a reciprocal action, even if you don't want it to be. When all is forgiven, you return to your real function of creating. Paragraph 1, sentence 1 says, Forgiveness is the world's equivalent of heaven's justice. Sentence 7 says, Forgiveness always rests upon the one who offers it, until he sees himself as needing it no more. And thus is he returned to his real function of creating, which is forgiveness offers him again. On the next page, which is page 549, paragraph 4 says, Forgiveness brings no little miracles to lay before the gate of heaven. Here the Son of God himself comes to receive each gift that brings him nearer to his home. Not one is lost and none is cherished more than any other. Each reminds him of his Father's love as surely as the rest, and each one teaches him that what he feared he loves the most. The next section on 549 is called The Little Hindrance. I wrote, The Little Hindrance. They are but little hindrances that keep us from knowing our truth and living it. With a shift of perception and a choice to not follow the ways of your past, you move those little hindrances out of the way, off of your path. You cannot go back. This course is here to teach you only what is now. Paragraph 1 says a little hindrance can seem large indeed to those who do not understand that miracles are all the same. Yet teaching that is what this course is for. This is its only purpose, for only that is all there is to learn. And page 550, at the top, well, the bottom of 549 says, the last two words say, You but choose whether to go towards heaven or away to nowhere. There is nothing else to choose. Paragraph 3 says God gave his teacher to replace the one you made, not to conflict with it. Paragraph 4 says to you who still believe you live in time and know not it is gone, the Holy Spirit still guides you through the infinitely small and senseless maze you still perceive in time, though it has long since gone. On the next page, which is page 551, Sentence six at the top says, you keep an ancient memory before your eyes and he who lives in memories alone is unaware of where he is. Six says forgiveness is the great release from time. It is the key to learning that the past is over. Madness speaks no more. There is no other teacher and no other way for what has been undone no longer is. And who can stand upon a distant shore and dream himself across an ocean to a place and time that have no that have long since gone by. Paragraph nine, sentence four near the bottom says, You cannot go back, and everything that points the way in the direction of the past but sets you on a mission whose accomplishment can only be unreal. Such is the justice your all loving father has ensured must come to you. Paragraph 10, sentence 2 says, This course will teach you only what is now. 
a dreadful instant in a distant past, now perfectly corrected, is of no concern nor value. Let the dead and gone be peacefully, peacefully forgotten. Resurrection has come to take its place, and now you are part of resurrection, not of death. No past. Next page on 552. Illusions have the power to keep you in a place of death. A vault God's son entered an instant to be instantly restored onto his father's perfect love. And how can he be kept in chains long since removed and gone forever from his mind? Paragraph 11, sentence 2 says, He was reborn the instant that he chose to die instead of live. Paragraph 12 says, The shadow voices do not change the laws of time nor of eternity. They come from what is past and gone and hinder not the true existence of the here and now. The real world is the second part of the hallucination. Time and death are real and have existence that can be perceived. Paragraph 14 near the bottom says, Forgive the past and let it go, for it is gone. You stand no longer on the ground that lies between the worlds. You have gone on and reached the world that lies at heaven's gate. There is no hindrance to the will of God, nor any need that you repeat again a journey that was long, was over long ago. The next part is called the appointed friend. I didn't write anything for myself because I thought the first paragraph really summed it up. Paragraph one says, and this on page five, five, three, anything in this world that you believe is good and valuable and worth striving for can hurt you and will do so. Not because it has the power to hurt, but just because you have denied it is but an illusion and made it real. And it is real to you. It is not nothing. And though and through its perceived reality has entered all the world of sickness and illusions, all belief in sin and power of attack and hurt and harm and sacrifice and death has come to you. For no one can make one illusion real and still escape the rest. For who can choose to keep the ones that he prefers and find the safety that the truth alone can give? Who can believe illusions are the same and still maintain that even one is best? The bottom of the same page is called the laws of healing. I wrote, Healing is the fundamental accomplishment of this course. It will help guide you to heal yourself. The laws of healing break down the principal aspects and outlines it for you quite simply. This might be the simplest explanation in the entire text. So paragraph one at the bottom says, this is a course in miracles. As such, the laws of healing must be understood before the purpose of the course can be accomplished. Let us review the principles that we have covered and arrange them in a way that summarizes all that must occur Go turn to page 554 for healing to be possible. For when it once is possible, it must occur. So paragraph two says all sickness comes from separation. When the separation is denied, it goes. Paragraph three says guilt asks for punishment and its request is granted. Not in truth, but in the world of shadows and illusions built on sin. Paragraph four says perceptions laws are opposite to truth and what is true of knowledge is not true of anything that is apart from it. Paragraph five sentence two says perceptions laws must be reversed because they are reversals of the tr laws of truth. The laws of truth forever will be true and cannot be reversed yet can be seen as upside down. 
on the next page, which is page 555, paragraph 7 says, Sin is not error, for it goes beyond correction to impossibility. Paragraph 8 says, Nothing gives meaning where no meaning is, and truth needs no defense to make it true. Illusions have no witnesses and no effects. Who looks on them is but deceived. Forgiveness is the only function here and serves to bring the joy this world denies to every aspect of God's Son where sin was thought to rule. Paragraph 9 says, Forgiveness takes away what stands between your brother and yourself. It is the wish that you be joined with him and not apart. Page 556. Paragraph 11 says, What is the will of God? He wills his son has everything, and that and this he guaranteed when he created him as everything. It is impossible that anything be lost if what you have is what you are. Paragraph 11 says, let us consider what the error is so it can be corrected, not protected. Paragraph 13 says, cause and effect are one, not separate. God wills you learn what always has been true, that he created you as part of him, and that and this must still be true because ideas leave not their source. Such is creation's law that each idea the mind conceives but adds to its abundance, never takes away. This is as true of what is idly wished as what is truly willed because the mind can wish to be deceived but cannot make it to be what it is not. And to believe ideas can leave their source is to invite illusions to be true without success. Paragraph 14 on page 557 says the miracle is possible when cause and consequences are brought together, not kept separate. The healing of effect without the cause can merely shift effects to other forms, and this is not release. Paragraph 15 says illusions serve the purpose they were made to serve, and from their purpose they derive whatever meaning that they seem to have. God gave to all illusions that were made another purpose that would justify a miracle, whatever form they took. Paragraph 17, sentence 2 says, Forgiveness is the answer to attack of any kind. Page 558, paragraph 19 says, Abide in peace where God would have you be, and be the means whereby your brother finds the peace in which your wishes are fulfilled. Let us unite in bringing blessing to the world of sin and death, for what can save each one of us can save all of us. And paragraph 20 in this section says, Your ancient name belongs to everyone as theirs to you. Call on your brother's name and God will answer, for on him you call. The next part on 558 is called the immediacy of salvation. <clears throat> we break everything down in terms of time. We think, we need time to heal, or in time, the pain will go away. Also, I will forgive him in time. Time is not relevant, and it has no clear outcome. Salvation and healing only happen in the now. You need no time to do anything. You choose time as your protector from choosing to not let go in the now. The miracle you seek is in the now. Looking for future happiness is meaningless. Happiness is only found in the now. Live in this moment, no other. Paragraph 1 says, The one remaining problem that you have is that you see an interval between time when you forgive and will receive the benefits of trusting in your brother. Paragraph 
two sentence six at the bottom of the last two words say the interval you think lies in between on the next page 559 between giving and receiving of the gift seems to be one in which you, you sacrifice and suffer loss you see eventual salvation not immediate results paragraph three says salvation is immediate Paragraph, uh, sorry, sentence six in that same paragraph says, do not project this fear to time for time is not the enemy that you perceive. Time is as neutral as the body is, except in terms of what you see it for. If you would keep a little space between you and your brother still, you then would want a little time in which forgiveness is upheld a little while. Paragraph four says, yet space between you and your brother is apparent only in the present now and cannot be perceived in future time no more can it be overlooked except within the present future loss is not your fear but present joining is your dread who can feel desolation except now a future cause has yet ha yet has no effects and therefore must it be that if you fear there is a present cause and that it is this that needs correction not a future state Paragraph 5 says the plans you make for safety all are laid within the future where you cannot plan. No purpose has ever been given it as yet, and what will happen has yet to yet no cause. Who can predict effects without a cause? Sentence 8 says, For a miracle is now, it stands already here, in present grace, within the only interval of time that sin and fear have overlooked, but which is all there is to time. Page 560, paragraph 9 says, Be not content with future happiness. It has no meaning and is not your just reward, for you have cause for freedom now. What benefits freedom in a prisoner's form? Why should deliverance be disguised as death? Delay is senseless, and the reasoning that would maintain effects of present cause must be delayed until a future time is merely a denial of the fact that consequence and cause must come as one look not to time but to the little space between you still to be delivered from and do not let it be disguised as time and so preserved because its form is changed and what it is cannot be recognized the holy spirit's purpose now is yours should not this happiness be yours as well? For they have come is at the bottom of 560. And I wrote, They are the joining of our brothers with Christ who come to us to offer the same oneness that God offers us every day. They have come. We just don't want to see them yet. Paragraph 2 on page 561 says, is it too much to ask a little trust for him who carries Christ to you, that you may be forgiven all your sins and, le and left without a single one you cherish still? Forget not that a shadow be held between your brother and yourself obscures the face of Christ and memory of God, and would you trade them for an ancient hate? The ground whereon you stand is holy ground because of them who, standing there with you, have blessed it with their innocence and peace. Paragraph four says, what is a hundred or a thousand years to them or tens of thousands? When they come, time's purpose is fulfilled. What never was passes to nothingness when they have come. 
What hatred claimed is given up to love, and freedom lights up every living thing and lifts it into heaven, where the lights grow ever brighter as each one comes home. Page 562, paragraph 6 at the top says, The holiness of all the spots on earth is where the ancient hatred has become a present love, and they come quickly to the living temple where a home for them has been set up. There is no place in heaven holier. Paragraph 7 says, Around you angels hover lovingly to keep away all darkened thoughts of sin and keep the light where it has entered in. Your, your footprints lighten up the world, for where you walk, forgiveness gladly goes with you. No one on earth but offers thanks to you who has restored his home and sheltered him from bitter winter and freezing cold. And shall the Lord of heaven and his Son give less in gratitude for so much more? The next section on that page, 562 at the bottom, is called The End of Injustice. The end of injustice will come when we no longer see unfairness. It will come when we no longer judge what is fair and what isn't. If we see our brothers and sisters, sisters capable of needing justice, we will offer it in some form. Release your need to judge and to give justice, and you will see love like you have never seen it before. Paragraph 1, sentence 3 says, When you perceive it is unfair, you think that a response of anger now is just, and thus you see what is the same as different. Confusion is not limited. If it occurs at all, it will be total, and its presence in whatever form will hide their presence. They are known with clarity or not at all. On the next page, which is 563, paragraph 2 says, What does it mean if you perceive attack in certain forms to be unfair to you? It means that there must be some forms in which you think it fair. For otherwise, how could some be evaluated as unfair? Some then are given meaning and perceived as sensible, and only some are seen as meaningless. And this denies the fact that all are senseless, equally without a cause or consequence, and cannot have effects of any kind. Paragraph 3, sentence 4 says, Projection of the cause of sacrifice is at the root of everything perceived to be unfair and not your just deserts. Paragraph 4 says, Beware of the temptation to perceive yourself unfairly treated. In this view, you seek to find an innocence that is not theirs, but yours alone, and at the cost of someone else's guilt. Can innocence be purchased by the giving of your guilt to someone else? Paragraph 5 says, you think your brother is unfair to you because you think that one must be unfair to make the other innocent. And in this game, do you perceive one purpose for your whole relationship? Page 564 at the top says, sentence 7 says, and each unfairness that the world appears to lay upon you, you have laid on it by rendering it purposeless. Without the function the Holy Spirit sees, and simple justice has been thus denied to every living thing upon the earth. So in paragraph six, at the very bottom, sentence five says, if you perceive injustice anywhere, you need but say this. By this do I deny the presence of the father and the son. And I would rather know of them than see injustice, which their presence shines away. This is the end of chapter 26. And of course, in miracles. 
As we move closer to the end of the book, we are asked to be open to things we may have never been willing to be open to before. We may struggle with and even deny the truth of what the text is saying. It only asks that you consider what is being shared and with an open mind and a loving heart, look for the truth. The Holy Spirit will help guide and comfort you along the way. You only need ask for assistance. This is our journey. Keep finding your way. Have a peaceful week. And until next week, always love, Denise.